Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we get started, are you thinking of creating a podcast or are you a podcast host already? As a podcast strategist, I can help you to launch or relaunch a purposeful and profitable podcast, which will inspire, entertain and educate a global audience. Simply book in a one-to-one call with me right now via the Calendly link in the show notes and together we'll focus on the purpose of your podcast. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Sebastian Bates. Welcome. Thank you, Amy, for having me. Great to be here. And where are you calling in from today? I am calling in from Dubai. Oh, very nice. Very nice indeed. As I look out of my misty morning here, I'm sure it's the same for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, today is a little bit overcast, so it's a little bit different. Normally, it's uh, pretty hot at this time. So, so yeah, quite, quite a lucky day. We kind of look forward to the clouds over here. When they do come, we enjoy them, right? <laughs> Whereas in the UK, a bit of a different story. Very much so. So what is it that you're doing at the moment, Sebastian? So I run several different businesses, uh, both in the UK um, and the UAE, as well as a global charity. Uh, my primary business is the Warwick Academy, which I've been running for the last 13 years, um, which is a martial arts organization that specializes in character development for young people. We essentially work with about 4,000 children every week across three continents, where we work, especially with, tra- especially with parents, to transform their character. So we, we kind of simplify that to developing three Cs, confidence, conduct, and concentration. Uh, we've got a four-step methodology for doing that. Um, and yeah, we've got nine offices here in the UAE. We've got uh, three full-time academies. And it's very much linked to our global charity where 50% of our members, so 2,000 students per week, are on scholarships. So we work with children's uh, homeless shelters, orphanages, rural primary schools, um, anywhere where children could really benefit from character development, but normally wouldn't get access to it, um, we are now cropping up. So our big vision with the Warrior Academy is to be in every single continent around the world with our uh, vision of uh, bringing the message of character development around the world. Now, this is not an overnight success, is it? No. <laughs> no, definitely not. Lots of bumps on the way. Tell me about the journey. The journey of the Warrior Academy. Where did the Warrior Academy start? The Warrior Academy, to really talk about the Warrior Academy, I've got to go back to my, my childhood, right? So I, I studied martial arts as a child, as a means to develop confidence. Uh, my parents enrolled me into uh, my first martial arts class. And I remember walking into that first class and seeing the instructor in a, you know, a, a uniform with a, what we call a dobok with a black belt on and the, the amount of discipline and respect and self-control and you know the the performance of the students in the room was was quite mind-blowing for me and immediately when i joined i felt a part of this black belt community what i didn't realize from the moment i joined is how much that would shape the course of my life right the that that one club and that community and that ethos and the values there and the seeds that it would plant in my character would help transition me through bullying through adolescence through changing schools through um, overcoming a near fatal 
accident, um, through challenging personal situations, both in my personal life, but also with business. And it really, for me, it's the impact that I had on my character and how that then transformed me. And so that's that's where the seeds were planted, if you like, that martial arts could have this profound impact on my life. It's only when you look back and jump the dots, you can actually see that. Um, but essentially, I, I traveled around the world. Uh, I, I was studying at university in Denmark. I was, an arch- I was studying architecture in Denmark. Um, I quit after a year and a half to, to travel. I wanted more adventure. So I traveled to Asia. Um, I was in India for a long time. I was in Southeast Asia, picking up work where I could. Eventually, I found Thai boxing. I started living and training on Thai boxing camps. Um, over the years, I've spent about 18 months in total on Thai boxing camps in Thailand, training and fighting professionally out there. And eventually, I came back to the UK, and I wanted to, I wanted to run a business, but I wanted to do something physical. I didn't want to be stuck behind a, a desk. And so I decided to become a personal trainer, qualified as a personal trainer. My first gig was teaching Thai boxing in a, in a fairly rundown inner city gym. And when I first got into that inner city gym, what I found was, you know, a lot of the the young people in there, I would call them young men, sort of 15 to 18 years old, were pretty lost. They were coming from disadvantaged backgrounds. A lot of them, they were sleeping rough. There was lots of substance abuse, domestic abuse, uh, lots of issues that they were going through, which was of no fault of their own, purely down to their environment. And they didn't really have a mentor to guide them through it. What I noticed that, within that particular group is within a year these young men were completely transformed it wasn't really about martial arts you know they were they were coming in and they were instead of kicking their shoes off they were parking them neatly they were calling each other sir they were bowing as they entered there was this new level of respect which transcended into everything in their life and their life started to change within a year we had 15 national champions and i made the pivot in that moment when i came to the realization that it wasn't about martial arts, it was about character, that if we could work with these same young men when they were much, much younger and plant the seeds that have been planted in my mind as a young martial artist, it could change the course and direction of their lives completely. And so that one thought really captured my attention and really fueled the next 15 years of my life. And what I did is I, I went to the, the nearest primary school and launched a, a Warrior Academy club there. We had 20% of the whole school signing up. And the, the incredible thing is we've now, you know, 12 to 15 years later, we've still got, we've got the same students with us who are now instructors in the Warrior Academy. And we've now gone on to work with 30,000 children around the world with our real focus on character development over martial arts, just using martial arts as a vehicle because it's so good at developing character in young people. So when I look back, that's that's where it started from. That's the the journey in a nutshell as to why we are where we are and why we do what we do. And you just mentioned the why. Let's talk about the purpose piece. Were you consciously aware that this was your purpose or has it just arisen? I think the thing with with purpose, and I, and I, I see this a lot with a niche, right? When I, when I, I mentor about 300 business owners a year and a lot of the time they're like, right, I need to, I need to find my micro niche. I need to, I need to find my niche straight away. And, and I always look at that and I'm like, the niche finds you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I think for a lot of people, they're like, well, I don't really understand that. But until you go through it, then you realize it actually does. Because ultimately, you, when, you're, when you're starting a business, 
you've got all these incredible ideas in your head, you throw them out there and you see what lands, right? And it's a mixture of what makes the most money is commercially successful, what you're passionate about, and what you enjoy doing. And it's a combination of those three things together that ultimately becomes your niche. And as you follow down the route and you refine, refine, refine over the years and months, you find your micro niche, if you like. For me, that was developing from, mar from martial arts to character development, and then the way in which we do character development. So character development in itself is one big niche, but the way in which we deliver it becomes our micro niche. And I think the same thing is with purpose. You know, you, you, your purpose, you may feel very passionate about martial arts, right? But then as you go into that, it's like, was it martial arts or was it actually character development? You know, was it this or was it actually something within that that you really enjoyed? And so I think for me, the, the purpose piece evolves as you progress through the journey of entrepreneurship. So with that in mind, it was not a case of knowing this was going to be your course. And you said it shaped your life, but you didn't know this was going to be the course that you were going to take in life. I didn't know at the time how far I would take this, right? Like, I, I feel like when I started the Warrior Academy, I needed, I needed to make a living, but I wanted to do something physical that I was passionate about. And it was the combination of those three things, right? Something that could be commercially successful that I'm passionate about and I enjoy. That was the base foundation. And then as I evolved from that point, things became more clear and we started to really refine what we're doing. And then I think you, you gather enough experience and you, you, know, you, don't, you don't tend to look just the year ahead of you. When you're first starting out a business, you tend to look, you tend to be very short-sighted. Six months, one year, two years max. It's really hard. And it was really hard for me to think more than five years down the line. You know, a 10-year vision would be you know, mind-blowing for me to try and try and think about. I would have really struggled with that as a startup. But as you then go down this process, what I then found was, you know, you, you, you have a much longer view. You're more, you're more patient. And it's, you know, a quote from Gary Vee, right? It's, it's uh, um, was it macro patience, uh, micro speed. So macro patience, you're stepping out, you're looking at the big picture because you're more experienced, but underneath the water, the day-to-day, -day, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're swimming like mad. And so, so I think, yeah, I think as you develop and you become more experienced, you're able to have a, a longer view. And that is your purpose becoming more refined. Uh, now, when I look at what we're doing, I don't, I don't see it as in the next few years, I want to do this. You know, I've, I've now got a charity, which for me is the purpose, the real purpose behind what we're doing. And that's got a hundred year plan. I fully expect that to outlive, uh, to outlive me. So a couple of things. The way you're describing those three elements of overlapping, it, it really, for me, is, is like the icky guy concept yeah. where you've got your passion, your profession, your vocation and your mission. So the piece that you, you didn't mention because you talked about what makes money, what you're passionate about, what you, you enjoy doing and, and in terms of what you can be paid for, obviously, it's also the, what the world needs. And you, you saw, you spotted that gap of what is so badly needed for all of these youngsters. The real purpose, the 100-year plan, again, the infinite game you're playing here, it's going to live longer than you are. The legacy is going to continue. What, what has instigated that for you, that infinite play? Fulfillment. I see so many business owners tie the successful failure of their business to the finances, right? And a really great example of that is I heard the story of a guy who uh, he... 
worked all his life to build up this incredible business. 500 million pounds he sold it for. He got the phone call, he sold it for 500 million pounds. He's in his apartment. The first thing he does is go to the fridge, pulls out, a, pulls out a beer, orders a pizza. He sits down on his sofa alone with a beer and a pizza and he just feels lost. And, you know, after all that work in his mind, he was like, this is the one moment that everything has been worth it. Once I, once I get there, once I do this, then I'll be happy. Once I get to this stage, then my business is a success. One, and, and I mean, you're smiling, right? Because you understand it as a business owner. It's like, oh yeah, okay, we've all been there. Once I achieve this financial goal, cool. Then I, then I know I've, I've made it. And I think that's, a, that's actually a pretty sad way of living because there, you're leaving so much fulfillment on the table. And I remember when, when I first started looking at how we could do more charity work or more philanthropic work with Warrior Academy. And we started to partner with children's hospices, with uh, the siblings of children who were terminally ill that we gave free mentoring to, uh, with welfare officers who would introduce us to families who were going through financial hardship and difficult divorce or social situations that were, that were very tough. And we were working with them to make these huge transformations. And what was really cool about that was the impact that then had on our team. The conversations we were having in the Warrior Academy behind the scenes were all about impact. And it was less about we need to get this many members and you know, we need to grow by this much. And that stuff just kind of happened. Obviously, you need, a, you need a decent strategy and commercial strategy behind that. But there was a deeper underlying feeling within the business about why we exist. And so that's, that's where the, 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 the impact side of things really started to pick up. Uh, as we grew, we became more commercially successful. We became more profitable. We started bringing in more revenue. But that's that concept and that, that value of we, we are here to make an impact and we want to make an impact. And it's scaling that feeling of changing lives from local, what we were doing with these small partnerships in, in villages in Somerset and Wiltshire to a global business that's now making an impact with thousands of children in developing countries around the world. For me, that was, that was where that kind of started and how it blossomed and, and grew. And it just became part of our culture. Now, martial arts is not something that's new. This has been in existence for millennia, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So do you think it had the same impact when it was created, when it, when, as it started? Do, do you think it was built on the character development? I think, I think martial arts is one of the... It's, it's really hard to say because martial arts is one of those things where when you look back in some of the cultures where martial arts was embedded... It was a part of the education of a child, the normal education of a child in a lot of these cultures. And so the, the huge piece there was that it was less about self-defense and more about a moral education. And so a lot of the traditional styles had this, they've all got the, the five tenets of Taekwondo, right? They've all got the, the values, they've got the, the Bushido code. Each traditional style of martial arts has its own set of values that people live to and stick to. And they use those values to, to, to change the course or direction of their life based on the decisions they make. They've got a big decision to make in their life. They look and refer back to those values before they make it. And that's essentially character development, right? Refine the refining of values so that you make better decisions because you've got a moral compass that's been refined. And that's what I think we're missing a lot of today. A lot of the issues that we've got today are that young people, you know, they, they don't have that moral education that I feel that martial arts provides. You know, a lot of the young kids nowadays, they're looking up to people like Andrew Tate, 
But is he is he providing them with a moral education, right? He's giving them the inspiration, the motivation. He's ticking all the boxes that young men want to see in their, you know, in their in their young teens, their late teens. But is he providing them with a moral education? And I think that's that's the the key missing ingredient that traditional martial arts provides. If you look at mixed martial arts, you know, you've got role models within mixed martial arts like Conor McGregor, right? Someone like that. He's being, you know, he's he's getting arrested on TV. He's He's doing this, he's swearing, he's being aggressive. And it's for me, it's like they're missing out on with MMA, they're missing out on what's what's one of the most beneficial things about martial arts, and that is a moral education. And you started this whole conversation speaking about your three C's that you you founded the business on and and how that is such a core part of it. The values are, are there right from the beginning. You also mentioned the discipline, the respect and the self-control. And you came into martial arts to develop your confidence. So is it confidence that still, I know it's one of the three C's and it was at the first one you mentioned, but what does confidence mean in navigating to today's world for you? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because confidence for me is, it's one of the most important things that we can give our children. Right. Confidence is basically empowerment over decisions and life choices. Uh, if your child doesn't have confidence, what you'll find is it, it, there's, a, there's this compounding effect, because ultimately, when we have high levels of confidence or lower levels of confidence, either way, we make our decisions based on that. And so if you've got a low level of confidence, you'll make a negative decision, followed by a negative decision, followed by a negative decision. And it kind of spirals down. Whereas if you've got high levels of confidence, it spirals up. And then what you see is a very, very different life at the end of that. You know, one year down the line, different child. Five years, 10 years, 20 years, you know, high levels of confidence or low levels of confidence. It impacts every decision a child makes. It impacts their relationships as they grow older, their education, the partners they seek, the work they seek, the passions they seek and develop, the risk level they're willing to accept, how much pressure they can take how they see themselves personally and in the world. And so ultimately, it's, it's, it's such a profoundly important aspect of a child's education. We, we need to make that the highest priority, right? And you know, there, there, are, there are lots of ways to do that. And confidence is one of those Cs. And so when we, when we interviewed over 2,000 parents, we, you know, we really discovered that it was, you know, a child's typically got high levels of one or two of the three Cs, but rarely all three. So if you look at the three C's, confidence, conduct, and concentration, these are the three things that parents have told us, thousands of parents from lots of surveys, have told us that they feel is the most important thing or that they're missing when it comes to their child's character development. So when I talk about how we analyze that, we use a breakthrough area assessment. If any parents listening to this, they can go to breakthroughareacom and have a go on this. 40 question, yes, no answers, really easy. You get a personalized PDF report at the end. And ultimately, what that then gives you is an insight into your child's breakthrough area. And a child's breakthrough area is essentially the lowest of the three Cs. So in this report, a child will get a score, a percentage for their competence, conduct, and concentration. And for instance, if you've got 80% in conduct, you know, 70% in concentration, and 30% in, in confidence, that low score in confidence would be your child's breakthrough area. And so for us at the War Academy, we then focus on developing that breakthrough area in the first three months, bringing it up to a high level. The long game here is over the eight-year black belt journey, we bring all three Cs up to a high level, which creates a black belt character. 
Yeah, I, I really love the concept and I can see why students then become teachers because they have seen the impact it's made on their own lives and then want to carry that on. So there, that's why you've got great retention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and do, you know what, do you know what really inspires me is we, we teach leadership skills in the first class. It doesn't matter if you're a, if you're, if you're a white belt, if you're a four-year-old, you know, you're, you're, you're literally you're nervous to walk into the dojo for the first time. Our instructors are so good at nurturing that community feeling that those nervous four-year-olds will come to the front of the class and teach martial arts. And from that first lesson, even if it's just, you know, copying what the instructor says who's standing next to them, from that first lesson of leadership, we then take them on this eight-year journey to develop their leadership skills, which includes things like public speaking training, which includes things like social awareness, which includes things like working as part of a team and organizing people and giving instructions and how to give instructions clearly and all this sort of stuff. And what's really cool is what, what really inspires me is eight years down the line, if they get a black belt with us, we guarantee them a job. Any child who gets a black belt with us, we guarantee a job. And so we've got about 25 assisted instructors who have got black belts with us after eight years in the UK. And I think the, the big picture of that is in the next 20 years, a lot of our instructors would have come from developing countries because they're going on this 10 year journey with us, you know, in, in Nepal, in Kenya, in Malawi, in Sri Lanka. And through that journey, we can then provide them with employment. So when we are working in these areas, we're not just talking about martial arts. Really, it's developing the character, bringing them up to the point where we can then provide them with employment to continue the message and share the journey with other students in their countries. Yeah, I love that. And this moral compass, this moral education that you are instigating and bringing back into education, bringing back that piece and where you're distinguishing it from not just being about self-defense. In fact, it's it's so far away from of that message. It, it, it's not even comparable. You talked about your real purpose, this hundred year plan. And I know we we spoke a little bit about it earlier. I want to understand more about the metrics that you are using for fulfillment, if that's even a thing, how do you measure your fulfillment and your success? It's, it's a really hard thing to measure, I think, because finances are easy, right? You've got, you've got a goal in mind. That's what you want to achieve. There we go. Um, there's, other, there's other ways to measure it in terms of what's the feedback you're getting from your team? How empowered do they feel? Uh, we've got culture snapshots that we do with the team every three or four months, which give us an insight into how much they're enjoying the job how much they feel they're making an impact and so on. Um, then it's the feedback we get from parents, all the parents we work with. Uh, you know, the, the concept there is parents let us know how much they are benefiting from the program. And, we, you know, we score, I think typically our average is, well, our minimum is 94% and our, our max is about 98% on average for the experience that our customers get. And that's that's paying members, right? And then it's the, the little stories that pop out on the way. And these little stories are, you know, they're often kind of heartbreaking stories of grit and determination and overcoming hardship and, uh, uh, you know, difficult times. And you know, some of those stories are children we've worked with who we've mentored through chronic bullying, depression, even suicide. Um, and I think ultimately, if we can help children through that, we can help children, you know, escape poverty by changing their decisions and the way they see themselves in their life. Because in a lot of these, these developing countries, despite impossible odds around them and impossible situation of living they sometimes get this one shot right where it's like okay now you're able to go to the school we're gonna the charities found you they're gonna transition you to school but because of their previous programming they get to the school and they end up back on the street 
doing drugs or alcohol. And if we can change that programming in that transition, I feel it's like we can then, you know, put them on a different course for life. So there's lots of stories. There's lots of metrics in terms of awards that we get, um, you know, reports on customer service, on culture snapshots. Uh, and, and for me, it's the, the biggest thing for me is sleeping well at night. Right. And it, and I might, that might sound strange, but I think, you can you can chase the, the 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 money game and get on the commercial route and all that sort of stuff. And I remember once we you know we we did really well. We made six figures in, in it was one hour on a, on a launch we did, and that felt amazing. In the same week, we had uh, a message from one of our freelancers in the Philippines who said that their whole village had been wiped out by the tsunami, um, flooding everywhere. Loads of families trapped in their homes. And within 24 hours, we were able to save about three, we were able to raise about three to 5,000 pounds, have people on the ground and giving out about 25,000 meals. Within 24 hours, we did all that. And I got more excitement and fulfillment from that, giving out all that, all, all the food and making that impact, that real impact very, very quickly than we did from the financial success in the same week. And that was just such an eye opener for me because. It's so easy, I think, to just to chase the commercial side of things and, and to not embed the philanthropy into what you do, but it's so easy to do it. And, and I think when you do do that, you, you, you feel this sense of fulfillment throughout your life. You can sit back on a rainy day where, you've, you know, where, where your business hasn't, hasn't hit the targets financially and you're not suddenly thinking, oh man, you know, the business is going down the, down the drain, it's, it's awful. You've got like a, a tank full of amazing stories and impact that you've made, which really helps you through the difficult times. And I think for any startup business, most businesses don't, don't last more than a year, right? And one of, my, one of the biggest bits of advice I can give on that is have a reason to exist beyond making money because ultimately your business is going to go through good days and it's going to go through bad days. You can't trust the good times and you can't trust the bad times. There's going to be ups and downs. But if you've got this constant thing in the background, which is just like we exist for a reason beyond that, it's it's like a it's like a constant, constant, calm presence in yourself and your business, which helps you navigate the storm. That's the way I see it, and it's it's profound the impact that can have on you and your team. And I love that expression of that constant calm presence. It really is linking in with the confidence, conduct, and concentration. I want to pick up on the concentration element. It ties in really nicely with the focus, the focus on why element for me, because as Simon Sinek started with why, and he talks about the importance of that for me, it's about the continued focus, the, the concentration element of, of why you're doing what you're doing. What does the concentration element mean for you? So the concentration element is interesting because ultimately I feel like when you develop a child's concentration you improve their ability to focus, they improve their attention to detail, um, but also it, it's, it's about dealing with stress, right? So from a young age, we teach children to meditate. We teach children how to regulate their own emotions. And the, the kind of bigger picture of that is that if you're able to regulate your own emotions as a young person, as you grow older, you're able to handle more pressure. A lot of young people, and actually a lot of schools and, and the kind of train of thought out there nowadays is pressure is bad and Pressure is getting such a bad rep, right? And, and I've got a different approach to that because I feel like pressure is really important. You, you grow through pressure. We shouldn't be avoiding pressure. That's got, 
that's not empowerment, is it? So why are we teaching young people that pressure is bad, we should avoid pressure and work-life balance and all this sort of stuff? Balance is important, but the balance comes from within, right? And so for me, it's about regulating your own emotions, being able to process and understand pressure, because ultimately, if you can teach a child to handle more pressure and be able to process that in a positive way, they're rewarded more in life for it. Ultimately, the more pressure you're able to handle successfully, the more you're able to be rewarded in life. And so that a lot of that ties in with concentration because concentration is about regulating emotions, about staying calm, staying focused and having that attention to detail. Uh, I totally agree. I love it. The grit, the determination, the overcoming difficulties. You spoke right at the beginning about how it shaped the course of your life to adopt the practice of martial arts. And it helped you with bullying. It helped you with adolescence and the character development and also your near fatal accident. Tell me a bit more. And also, yes, you, you mentioned business and personal challenges. Tell me a bit more about how they, ha they have helped you. The martial arts and the, the character development has helped you to overcome those challenges. So I think martial arts is obviously, it's, it's essentially personal development while being part of a team. And a lot of parents come to us and they love the idea that their child is, is working on their working on themselves on their own path, navigating through the black belt journey from belt to belt to belt, while also feeling a part of this community, right? And if you go to any other club, you're part of a team. And in that team, you, you're, you fully rely on the other people in the team. And so really what's, what's quite amazing about martial arts is it's all on you. And the others are there to support you, but essentially your progress is on you. And it develops this intrinsic motivation and this sense of responsibility that the only one out there that's got your back is you. And you're the one that's got to make sure you navigate through those tough times. If you're in a ring, you might have a coach near you, but he's not doing the fighting, right? If you're on a football pitch, you pass the ball to someone else and you're off the hook, right? But in a ring, you've got the gloves on. There's only one other person in there or you're, you're in an arena and you're grappling, whatever it is that you're doing within the sphere of martial arts. Ultimately, it comes down to you. And you're not just fighting your opponent, you're fighting yourself. And that transcends into everything in life. And what I find is that martial artists who go through this process become more reliable. They become more responsible. They, they understand that if they say they're going to do something, they have to do it. They have to get it done. And ultimately, they have higher levels of, of confidence because what they do is, you know, a martial artist who's got a black belt character, let's say, would go through that process. And with every little thing in their life, they'll try and do a little bit more than is expected of them. And it's just ingrained into, into the martial arts development people go through, right? You know, there's, there's this kind of disciple, student, uh, instructor relationship which goes on where you're always expected to do more and more and more. And I think that there's a, there's a level of self-accountability within that, which is really profound. And that carries through into everything in your life, personal life, business life, and so on. And it can carry you through, through some very, very difficult times. It certainly has for me. Have you found anything else that comes as close to working on yourself in this way as martial arts does? I think that character development, right? For me, character development is lots of small decisions every day and lots of big one-off events. And I think that character development is not just something that only martial arts does, but martial arts is a really great vehicle at that. I, I often say, you know, if there was a better way of doing it, I would I'd be doing that as well. And now I'm in the process of actually building other businesses 
that focus on character development. So we're doing, we're working on mergers and acquisitions and partnerships with lots of businesses in the UAE and the UK around the world that focus on character development like us, but don't use martial arts. Because I think there's, while martial arts is absolutely brilliant for doing it, and it's got this, this, you know, like I was mentioning, right, this, this unique way of developing your character while being a part of the team. And it's, it's kind of like a, you're on your own, but you've got your own back, but there's those there to support you. There's the big one-off events, which are really important as well. And I think challenges and adventure is really important. And when I look back at some of the things that changed, really changed and challenged my character, it was big treks across Dartmoor when I was younger, right? We did something called 10 Tours, um, which as a young, I think I was 14 or something, year old boy, carrying 25 kilograms, 30 kilograms on your back, Bear in mind, I only weigh about 45 kilograms at that point. And then hiking sort of 40 miles across Dartmoor over two days was such a difficult challenge to do that you've got to dig so deep to do it. And what I loved about that was once you're out there, you're kind of on your own. You know, you're, you're there with a team who are all there to support you, but it's, it's you, against, you against the odds, you against the climate. And, and, I, and I think events like that are really amazing because they take you out of your normal situation. One of the interesting things I find about martial arts is, and anyone in elite sports, is they may, they may train four hours a day, even as a kid, right? You might train 20, 30 hours a week if you're training for being in the national team, or whatever it is, you might take it out of school to do it. But what I've then found is those individuals, that environment becomes a very safe place for them. That actually becomes their kind of bubble. And so they're super confident in that environment. But if you take them out and you give them the real life, it's, it's a very, very different experience for them. And they've got to somehow get used to this whole new thing. And so there's lessons they can learn from being in that bubble. But ultimately, once they're out, it's, it's very difficult. And so I think that the, the best way to develop and nurture character in a young person is use the fundamentals of martial arts on a day-to-day -day basis daily habits and so on to develop their character, give them the moonshot of the black belt, which they go towards, but give them the opportunity to do big events, big outdoor adventure, adventure uh, leadership challenges, which take them in a whole new environment. Basically, what we say to parents, it's taking the, the lessons from the dojo to the home and school life, right? It's not, it's not enough just to stay in the dojo and then that becomes your safe place. It's taking them out into a whole new place and making them think about the lessons they learned in the dojo and how they can apply them to a very different situation. Yeah, I I really understand the concept of what you're sharing here. And, and you mentioned earlier about the compounding effect of how the lots of little incremental differences compound over time. And there's a couple of books I'll reference, Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, Darren Hardy, The Compound Effect. And it is about mastering the mundane. It's about understanding how the, the small daily efforts make a huge difference. And yeah. where you were talking about the challenges and the adventures, about embracing nature, and my goodness, a lot of young people do not get out enough into the outside environment, that's for sure. It is understanding the environment that we are living in. You know, we are... Yeah. We, we've been created in this space to live outdoors to, and we spend so much time inside. Yeah, exactly. That. And I think there's something to be said about tapping back into nature, right. And getting, and getting into nature and getting, getting your feet on the ground and, and breathing in fresh air. And 
there's something that we're, we feel more disconnected now than ever before. It, I think it was interesting during during lockdown, wasn't it? And how 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 that really made a shift for a lot of people. They then wanted to to be more connected to the food they eat, where they live, and and so on. So so yeah, I, t- I totally agree with that. I think I think there's this big shift that we're experiencing. People want more sustainability. They 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 want more connection with 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 the planet, where they live, and what they eat. Yeah, but I, and I hope so. I hope that that is not just a a sort of a whim or or just a desire but it is something that for example the united nations goals the the goals of sustainability development goals they've been set and there are 17 of them they're incredible and it's about pulling together in partnership you're doing your piece you are recognizing that the impact that you can make is having huge ripple effects which is incredible and and by employing so many people, but also with just the awareness of of touching the lives of so many children at the early age, it, that's going to have ripple effects that you'll never hear about. Yeah, definitely. I, one of the, one of the things that actually I, I loved is I I got got back in touch with my instructor a few years ago, and just thanked him for for what he instilled in me and the impact that had. And he maybe had one or two hundred students, and and his his real focus was on martial arts and character development came through naturally. But with us, we've really doubled down on the character development side, which for me is the the high impact side of martial arts um, from a a lifelong pursuit. And um, what was really interesting is I realized that, you know, we don't just have a couple of hundred students. It's, it's, you know, tens of thousands. We work with 30,000. We've got dozens, hundreds, thousands of these stories. And so it's, it's amazing for me to think the legacy of the Warrior Academy you know, it won't just be what happens in the dojo. It's it's what our students will go and do when they leave. You know, what what businesses or charities or projects or ideas they'll come up with, which go on to serve other people with those black belt character seeds, which we were responsible for planting. Yeah, it's it's longer than a hundred year plan. This is a multi generational plan yeah. for for many many years, hundreds of years to come. It's been such a great. Oh, you're going to say something, Sebastian? Well, yeah, I was just going to say that's and that's the exciting thing, right? Like, you know, someone once a mentor once said to me, "What's your ten year moonshot?" And I couldn't, I couldn't come up with it. Every every time I tried to come up with an idea that I felt was a good moonshot, it just didn't feel either. It felt a bit lofty, or it, it didn't feel um, achievable, or it, I didn't. Re- I wasn't inspired by it. Or it didn't feel big enough. Do you know what I mean? Like I couldn't find the sweet spot, and so I, I found it really interesting. You know, once I tied it all together with a purpose, and I could see the big vision, and I and I didn't say that's the end. If you remember my story at the very beginning, right? The guy sells his business five hundred five hundred grand, five hundred million. You know, there was an end point. Whereas for me, there isn't an, there isn't an end point. It's just this adventure which is going to outlive me. And understanding that impact and and how legacy plays a role in that and being okay, being okay with not seeing the end, right? Because a lot of people want to see the end and that they feel like that if they see the end, they're happy. But understanding that you're building something which is more important than you, stepping back and watching the the part you're involved with, right? If you can build something so big and exciting that you're just proud to be to be involved with that part of it for those 50 years of it. And knowing that it's going to continue for another 100 or 200 years, to me, that's exciting. And that was, then I was able to create that 10-year moonshot because of it. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing. 
It's been a real pleasure speaking with you, Sebastian. How would people get in contact with you? What's the best way to find out more about the work you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I tend to do a few podcasts every month. If you would like me on a podcast, uh, then you can email ea at sebastianbates.com. And Sarah, my EA, can book us in. Um, otherwise, you can go to my website, sebastianbates.com. I do a lot of business mentoring there. Uh, if you're looking to learn more about the Warrior Academy, you can go to warrioracademy.ae or .co.uk. And also Instagram, seb.bates or LinkedIn, sebastianbates.com. So everywhere. All good. They'll all go in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> it really has been a pleasure. I feel like we've we've covered so many different elements and I really look forward to pulling on the on the different threads later in my reflections episode. So thank you for that. Do you have some final words for the listener, please? Final words for the listener. Who, who is your typical listener? Describe to me your typical listener, where they're at in their life. And are they a, are they a business owner? What are they looking for exactly? And I'll, I'd like to give something really specific to them if I can. So this podcast is for people who are at likely to be a point in their life where they're feeling that they are at a midlife crisis. I like to, to call it a midlife beginning. And it's about understanding that we're not just create sort of filling in the moments we're creating moments that are fulfilling so the ideal listener but who is listening right now is looking for inspiration they're looking for an understanding that they're on the right track that they are having all these fantastic ideas and that they can pursue them as you described just now it's taking that adventurous journey and really having the courage to do so so with confidence with the ability to really tap into their purpose and know that it's not something they're going to find. They're going to create it. They're going to build it. So I hope that helps. Yeah, definitely. So, so the first thing I would say is we, we tend to vastly overestimate what we can do in the short term and underestimate what we can do in the long term. So flip that around in your mind. I would say to slow down and don't expect anything soon. Stop expecting some sort of miracle in the next few months or the next few years. And in fact, make sure that every decision you make is coming from your place of values. So spend that time getting to know yourself, getting to know your values and diving into why you, what, what, what you really thrive on, what lights you up and why you feel you exist. Don't try and find your purpose. Let your purpose find you. Don't try and find your micro niche. Instead, have lots of meaningful conversations with people you care about and try and solve their problems and then see as you go down what problems you can really solve that you enjoy solving, which are the most co commercially successful for you. I mean, then also I was saying it, nothing's linear, right? And it's, and we often think, okay, I can do this, this year, then this year, this year, this year. Um, there's, there's something called doubling speed, right? Where you tend to go from two uh, to four to 20 to a hundred. And for a lot of people, this, this kind of J curve happens um, with the Warrior Academy. You know, we, we were for about 10 years, it took us to, we were, we were kind of bouncing around going from 50 to 100 to 300 to 500 students. And then suddenly within a two year period, we were up to 4,000, right? So imagine that 10 years between 100 and 500 students and bang, 4,000. And within those two years, we also got shut down during COVID. That's completely pivot online and all sorts of other challenging stuff happened. So it's, it's often that, over time, you're building up this knowledge, the confidence, the assets, the origin story, the reason to exist, the power behind your purpose. And then it all comes together when you don't realize it. And then suddenly it just works. So I have the confidence and the belief to step back, slow down to speed up, 
and just trust the process and not be stressed about the short term, but have a, have a good, relaxed and calm approach about the long term. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.